Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 239. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, I am sick. Not when I record it, so I sound fine during the episode, but right now, I'm not feeling great, so we're going to make this quick. I'm very, very excited about this week's guest. I've got Raina Bryan returning to the show. You might remember her from nearly six years ago. She came on, talked about the social movement she was creating, Recycling is Sexy. Now, she's taken that idea and evolved it, which is essentially trying to create a groundswell of people demanding more sustainable packaging. We use a ton of plastic here, and we need to move to something more sustainable, something with the life cycle of the earth actually in mind. Now, she realized that it wasn't enough to do a social movement. You have to give people options, and that's where we find ourselves today. Raina is the creator of Rainchild Design, also RCD Packaging. And she's working to create sustainable packaging solutions for consumer packaged goods products. Because if you create a social movement, but there's no alternative, then what's the point, right? So she has worked to understand the entire value chain of packaging materials and is looking to change the game altogether. It's amazing. You're going to get a ton of insight on this show about consumer products, about recycling, about value chain, about bringing everyone to the table so everyone can hear the ideas and we create a solution that works for every single person along the value chain. We also talk about some very challenging personal news that Raina had early last year. It's a fairly harrowing story, but it helped crystallize her vision and removed a lot of the roadblocks, things that she was afraid of, and now she's going full force. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. I've got links to all of Raina's work on the companion blog piece, so check out John of All Trades, that's J-O-N, of all trades.us. It's also available in the show notes. So if you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcatcher, you can find it there. Stay up with Raina. She is a game changer. She's doing amazing work, and I'm so thrilled to feature her here. Now then, time is of the essence. I'm going to start coughing here in a minute. Episode 239 features Raina Bryan, the creator of Recycling is Sexy, the creator of RCD Packaging, and her episode starts right now. You know, I'm in between worlds. Okay. I, I work sometimes in L.A., and I work sometimes in Denver, and sometimes I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, of all places. And otherwise, Sweet. you're going to find me on an airplane. <laughs> Just, I, and, uh, and why are you torn between why, – why are the hubs Denver, L.A., and Des Moines? Um, okay, so Los Angeles is – an incredible place that um, I was working there for a long time doing sustainable packaging product development for another company. And so I have a big community there and I have some creative talent there that I always check in with. Nice. And then, um, of course, Colorado is the, my hometown. Love to be here. And I actually have, I'm building a team out here. I have two different teams. One is a software development team in Boulder and the other one is you just met Kellen yeah, yeah. and our team She's here cool. in, in Denver um, for sustainable packaging. So that's where the offices are. And then Des Moines, Iowa is where my boyfriend has a place. So we, okay. we're there nice. from time to time. <laughs> we're there like five, five days out of the month though. Since Okay. Yeah. But I mean, still that's five days out of the month. God, you're on planes a bunch. Yeah. And I remember when I was in my corporate gig, 
and I was on planes a lot and I had like United premiere status, mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, that's nice. You know? <laughs> and I go, it is nice if I'm traveling for fun, but I put in the sweat equity right, right. to, to get the perks. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> um, how many yeah. days a month are you on the road? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, there's times where I'm on a flight like four days out of the week. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm like going to New York tomorrow. Okay. Then I'll be back by Saturday. So, wow. Okay. So you leave Friday. I do leave Friday. Okay. And then you're back. You're just there for a day. Uh, two days, two days. All right. Yikes. Okay. So this is Raina Bryan making her second appearance on my show, which is always exciting. I love when people come back. And so the first time you were on, God, when did we talk? That had to be like 2015. That sounds about right. So almost five years ago. I remember it was warmer too. So maybe four and a half years ago, whatever the case, we were talking ostensibly about recycling is sexy. And if you look at the companion blog piece of this, you'll see me wearing my recycling is sexy shirt. I still have it. It looks good on you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, no need to tell me, baby. But, uh, <clears throat> so that was like a social movement that you were trying yes. to create. Where does that stand now? So that's amazing. That is like my alter eco. That's what I call it. Okay. But it, it's for me, that is, uh, been a, a project of mine where I want to help consumers and us general people understand materials and understand how products are made so that we can influence manufacturing. Right. Right. Um, so I spent time on that because I was always, and I've been looking for the levers of how to, how to drive change. So consumer action and consumer education is a big part of that. But what I came to realize was, um, it, I needed to also get into the product development itself. So I had two different approaches. One was like, Hey, inform the consumers so they can be better buyers. But if they don't have choices, then you're kind of at a loss there. So I had to move more into the actual packaging manufacturing side of the puzzle. And that's what I do now. Um, So the majority of my time and energy goes into RCD packaging, which is an evolution from Rain Child Design. Okay. Where we do um, sustainable packaging innovation and supply. Wow. Crazy. Okay. So this is going to be a weird comparison to make, but anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time, that's how I do this. Um, I had a professor, he was my advisor on my thesis and he, I mean, we were in the rhetoric department, but he talked a lot about the rhetoric of physical space. So for instance, we read a book about how say something like SeaWorld or Legoland is designed where they will intentionally make the path narrow, you know, as you go by merchandise stands and things like Ooh. that. And so what does the physical design of a place actually say um, about the experience of being in that place? Now, we asked him because we were a bunch of snotty college kids. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's one thing to teach this, but it's another to sort of have some skin in the game and create this. So he actually consulted on the design and physical space of, I think it was Flatiron or Flatiron Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and he was really interested in suburbia and things like that. And so how does the design influence the way people actually experience and interact in the space? So I thought of that because you go, okay, it's one thing to have a social movement Mm -hmm. and I'm going to echo something back to you that you said to me. But if people don't have choices, it's almost like 
you're trying to create a movement with without an option to go to. Right. Right. Correct. And so in terms and you are also a an engineer by training, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of engineer again? Mechanical engineering wow. material science. Okay. <laughs> um Ninja. that's uh that's a remarkable amount of schooling that you have then too. How has it been transitioning from doing sort of you know, you were doing range child design, but now you're in sustainable packaging. Mm-hmm. What have been the challenges to getting something like this off the ground? So my journey coming into this uh, world of sustainable packaging is I started about almost like seven years ago. I started taking myself to the Expo West, which is the natural food product industry. And I went in there, you know, with my just impassioned energy around this, my zero waste goggles on. And I walked in and I was just like in, in shock with how much plastic was everywhere. And my, my purpose of going was saying, okay, where are we at now? Who's doing things in sustainability? What's happening? What options are available? And I came there and I was like, it was zilch, nothing. I mean, it was shocking. How long ago was that? I I think it was about seven years ago. Okay. That doesn't feel like that long ago. No. For there to be like nothing at an event like that. Mm Hmm. Yeah, no. And it, it was really disheartening and, and shocking. And so that's how my, my journey started. And essentially what I did was I, I quit my job at the time and I built my own little consulting company Nice. and, uh, I started cold calling the industry and I would basically, I was, I was doing hundreds and hundreds of hours of research online <laughs> of trying to figure out who the hell did what and when, right? Oh, and finding an org chart for organization, impossible. Right. Like, well, there's the, there's the organization within the org, there's the organization, there's a structure within the organization itself, but then there's also the structure of the supply chain to understand yeah. and how oh and where gosh. you fit into it. Because what I work on now is making sure that we have sustainable packaging that's functional. Sure. That's the challenge that is the most important, right? As a, if I'm a brand and I'm, packaging up a granola bar wrapper, I got to make sure it's in a package that's going to protect that product first and foremost. Right. If I don't have options of sustainable materials to switch into that are going to also protect the product, then it's not really a viable solution. So functionality is super key. Yeah. It, it reminds me of an old cliche. A problem is only a problem if there's a different solution. Mm. Otherwise, it's just the way. It is the way. Right? I mean... Yeah. Like it, it's been the way for too long, <laughs> far too long. Right. But I mean, your thing about the granola bar, like there are food safety standards that I'm assuming these companies have yeah. to adhere to. Yeah. And so if you can't create a solution that actually meets that, mm-hmm. um, then it's not a solution. Absolutely. Gotcha. And, and so what's, what's interesting is, um, when we're, when we're putting together solutions, we're going up against, uh, this established petroleum based, uh, structures that, have been optimized for many, many years. They work very, very well on the different pieces of equipment down the line. But I not only have to make a package that functions on standard equipment that is heat sealable, form fill, blah, blah, blah. It also has to have the right barrier. It has to protect the product. It has to be food safe, but it also has to biodegrade safely. So we designed to what's called ASTM D6400, which is this is one of the standards that is available for industry when Say it comes to... Say that again. <laughs> it's, a, it's just an ASTM standard. It's D6400. Okay, ASTM D6400. Yeah, it just means that if, if the material itself passes that standard, then you can make a claim that it is compostable. You can actually okay. put the word compostable on it because nice. the material went through the... 
you know, we know it biodegrades completely into biomass and blah, 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 and it is plant, it's plant safe. It passes um, uh, metal toxicity and okay. all, there's all these different tests that it has to go through. Wow. So that's one of the biggest challenges I have is like not only does my material and the, the materials that we work on have to function in the, in the normal operation of day-to-day business, we're taking it to the next level and, and asking that material to do more. Right. And the company doesn't want to pass along additional cost to its customers as well. So, you know, the companies, they're looking for potentially solutions. And I mean, this is sort of the yin and the yang of what you're doing, yeah. right? Because you've got, you can do this from the top down or the bottom up, up. And recycling is sexy is kind of from the bottom up. You're trying to create consumer pressure so that brands right. act and do things. And then from the top, you know, it's like, okay, we are a company and becomes a brand differentiator for them. Mm-hmm. If they say, you know, hey, we're making this granola bar and all our packaging is compostable. So we're not contributing to all this waste that we have. Right. right. So, I mean, that's, that's two sides of the same coin where you're trying to get to the same goal. Right. Is that fair? Absolutely. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head right there when you talked about pricing. I've been doing sustainable packaging for about 10 years now. Wow. Um, and for the first seven, it was like pushing a rope. Because the, it, people were interested in the idea of sustainability, but if something was 2x or 3x more expensive, yeah. oh, well, sorry, we can't do that. And most brands didn't have the margins to actually play around. And so now you have this chicken and egg situation happening where brands are saying it's too expensive so they can't buy anything, so n- no one's buying the material. Well, the in, the packaging industry is not going to move or put energy right. in, and, and put money into innovation if the material's not moving. And so they continued to stay, well, sustainability isn't that important. Uh, consumers don't really care. And that has been for so long the narrative uh, all the way throughout the entire sus- the packaging supply chain. Um, sure. And it's, a re- it's, I understand why they're risk adverse and I understand why they, they don't want to change too rapidly. They have, they're heavily invested in, in certain assets and, those assets need to be running efficiently for them to um, pay their people. So I get get it. But pricing was a big challenge for many, many years. Luckily, uh, or I guess more unfortunately, I think plastics in the ocean uh, is such a visceral issue that people are now starting to freak out. And sure. the he- heads are turning towards the brands. And they're, the brands are like, oh, snap, what do we do? <laughs> Well, talk to Ray Ray. <laughs> Ray Ray will help you out. I've been focusing on this problem for many years now. Yeah, so. totally. I think that's interesting, too, because when you see, and especially with something like social media, you'll see maybe once a week a video of just these giant sort of swells of trash in that's the ocean. Awful. And, yeah, I mean, it's easy, especially in a landlocked state like Colorado, to sort of think of the ocean abstractly and just mm-hmm. as a pure abstraction. Yeah. You're like, whatever, out of sight, out of mind. But when it's put in front of you like that, you're like, eh, like, I don't, you know, I I don't want to go on vacation and even, even to put it in no selfish term. Right. Right. But that's sort of where it hits home for a lot of people. Right. If, if you experience that firsthand, you're going to maybe demand some change. Totally. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And, and what's interesting in the work that I do is, uh, I, I see it as a microcosm to the macrocosm because packaging is actually a really small subset of the plastic usage. That's actually a lot of it ends up into the natural systems and into the waterways, unfortunately. So packaging is a huge issue, but it's still a real small 
percentage of by weight the plastic that's produced um, and and entering the environment. But it is the microcosm to the macrocosm, and my goal is to show that we can transition an entire supply chain, and we can jump to the next material platform, technological platform. We've optimized petroleum materials and petroleum um, and plastic, the plastics that were conventional. We've optimized those materials uh, to the to the max. We cannot yeah. take them any farther. And when you study innovation, there's actually something called an innovation. Um, they're they're called like innovation curves, and I forget what they're called actually. Hmm. It's like innovation progression curves, but it but it shows that like as soon as so they're like these little S curves, right? Right. So as soon as it, it, when technology is first introduced, it's kind of rising up, and then it, people use it a quite a bit, and then it becomes more not optimized, and it tapers off. Yeah. We're right at that end, and so it's time to jump to the next. Sure. Next material innovation curve. Well, it reminds me of, you know, what were people using before petroleum? Mm. Whale oil, right? Mm. People thought whales were going to die and be extinct because prior to using, say, coal or oil or gas or whatever, people were using whale blubber for right. pretty much everything. So mm-hmm. whales were hunted endlessly. And the population, I don't know what the whale population is today, but whales do still exist. Now, what you're describing is we've we've optimized sort of our fossil fuel-based packaging needs, and now there's, like, no place left to go. You, you, you can't squeeze any more blood out of this stone, right? <laughs> well, I think there's there's one thing to note is um, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say is we can't make those materials jump the way they need to do. So the, the plastics that we're using right now, were never designed with the end of mind, end in mind. So there was never within the design criteria from an engineering standpoint saying this needs to be fully recyclable either through the technical recycling system or through the organics recycling system. So end of life was never in the original design criteria. Neither was um, chemical migration Mm. and anything that has to do with toxicity. Um, Obviously some thought goes into that, but there's a lot of work that can be done to protect people from um, different additives that are added into most materials. <laughs> Interesting. It, uh, it sounds like the way the show lost was written, right? You've got cool stuff, you've got innovation, but no end game in mind. And I don't so, think I watched that show. That's fine. I don't um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's too bad that landed with a thud. Um, uh. but, um, <laughs> yeah, lost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but no, people like watch that show and they go, this is so cool. This is so cool. How's it going to end? And the creators were like, we don't know. Mm. Um, and so they did end it, and everyone's like, well, that ending sucked. <laughs> so now it's kind of like with plastics. We're going to innovate, we're going to innovate, we're going to innovate. Okay, what about the end life cycle where we just have all this plastic piled up? And they go, we don't know. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it was never thought through. It's still n- not really a priority, even if plastic companies have you know a small percentage of their energies touting the – how exciting recycling is. The the reality of plastic recycling is that um, we're only we're, we're actually recycling less than about around nine percent. Yes, nine percent of the plastics that are um, consumed here in the states are actually recycled. And the one of the biggest reasons for that is there's there's no end market for the materials. Mm. So you know we can spend all this time collecting and sorting. Uh, and, and bundling up these materials, but if no one buys them, uh, there's a huge issue. So the plastic industries that 
uh, was the one that came up with this notion uh, and um, energy around recycling, there was not a lot of thought into creating the end markets, which is a critical part to closing that loop. So it's really, really important that again, you've got two thirds of a sto- you got two thirds of a story here, right? Again, right. And the, so what I like to talk about is I talk about the mass the mass balance, right? We got to look at what materials we're letting into the system and make sure that we don't just let all sorts of ran- a fire hose of all these random materials come into the system. We we should only bring materials into the system that can be recyclable. That, that can be sorted, that high, have high value as a recycled product. And then we need to equally focus on that. That's the other part of the, the flow, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, where are these materials going to go? And make sure that we are creating end markets for those materials. So, like, for example, there's companies making building materials out of recycled folding cartons or recycled um, uh, Tetra Pak. Right. You can think these things through. It's interesting to hear you describe this because... There's a little bit of almost exhaustion in your voice mm-hmm. because you've been doing this now. You said you've been working in sustainable packaging for 10 years. And would you say, based on your work and based on the way the world is going, are you optimistic or pessimistic overall? I'm optimistic. You are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, does it ever burn you out and do you ever go, oh, my God, like we're never going to get there? You know, I think if you would ask me, Two years ago. And maybe I did. You maybe you did. Um, yeah, I mean, I was... There, there's been moments where I've been very disheartened and like very yeah. frustrated. But I'm seeing the wave come now. And the, the language that we've been using for many years now, the concepts we've been talking about for many years now, are actually now on the forefront. So circular economy is a big thing that people are into. Zero waste is a concept that people are now to get into. And not just, you know, our hippy dippy hipster friends. It's, right. it's now like literally I'm, I'm in meetings with the head of procurement for Mars or PepsiCo and we're having conversations with this language. And that was not the case before. So I feel nice. very hopeful. Um, and we're also doing that big innovation event too, which is going to. Yeah. Tell me about that. that. What's that? So first of all, when is that? And what's going to be entailed at that event? Oh, super exciting. Um, so it's a workshop. So there's going to be a series of webinars and, and it's going to be capped off with a two day in a person innovation event. Um, but I don't, are you familiar with design thinking? Uh, IDEO? It sounds familiar. Yes. Okay, cool. So it's uh, design thinking is kind of an ideation process that you can bring a big group of people through and walk them through and, and generate ideas targeted on a specific goal. And, what we're doing, which has never been done before, mm. is um, we're actually bringing together the entire industry, and we're going to have representation from each part of the value chain. Wow. Uh, so we're going to have resin producers there, people that extrude film, people that do printing lamination, people that convert this, these into pouches. Uh, the brands are going to be there, the retailers, the distributors, and waste managers. And so what I just described to you is the the entire value chain of making CPG packaging, flexible film packaging. And flexible film packaging is obviously what we've been kind of talking about right now. It's traditionally does not have a good end of life recycling solution. So we're coming together as an industry and asking the question, how can we create package packaging that still protects the product, uh, but is, is designed to create or is designed so that doesn't create any waste in the process. And we're going to be looking at, 
material innovation. We're going to look at infrastructure innovation. We're going to look at in innovation around policy. And what's unique about this and that's never been done before is normally these type of ideation sessions happen within organization. Oh, right, yeah. um, you don't normally have people that might be competitive. Uh, so, but with this group of people, we get to have the insight and expertise of what it takes to compound a resin, what it takes to extrude a polymer in this way, what it takes to run it on these lines, blah, 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 blah. So that as ideas get generated, people can help build on that and help other groups others understand what's possible. And then another thing I'll add about this is, you know, in my, oh my God, it's been forever. I've been doing this forever. Um, <laughs> it's been this, it's been a lot of telephone where it's like, I'm yeah. trying to help brands understand what's possible and what's not possible when it comes to packaging manufacturing. I'm trying to un help packaging manufacturing, my manufacturing partners understand what brands needs are. Nobody understand what the hell people have to deal with the material on the back end, what their, what their challenges are. And I'm like, come on people, let's get it together. <laughs> so that's what, that's going to be a big uh, effort. Well, that's what we're doing. It's funny listening to you talk about this because I was thinking about having all these people in the same room and you know, people, let's say upstream, right? Let's say you are uh, a manufacturer of, of this type of material and you say, I have this great idea. Someone from way downstream can go, okay, here's why that doesn't work for me, right? <laughs> Here, here's where your roadblock is going to be in this full life cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you call it? Like life cycle economy or circular economy? Yeah, there's circular economy and then there's um, value chain. And, right. Yeah. You know, here's where that falls down for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's what I need. And that person can go, oh, okay, I had no idea that would be a problem. And so, I mean, you're collaborating people. And it's always weird when something like this happens because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, why haven't we been talking to each other this whole time <laughs> already, know, right? right? Exactly. But it's easy to get in your own silo. Right. And so it sometimes takes a big idea to do this. And one of the things I'm struck by since we talked last time and we're talking again, you seem to be in the big idea business. God. Oh, my God. It's a hard business to be in. It do is. Do you want to know why it's so hard? Why? Because you can see things and like you can see the line and you can see the big vision and then, then you have to, when you try to execute, you're like, oh, my small little team. And, <laughs> and you're like, uh -huh. oh, shit, I need resources. <laughs> so that's, that's the challenge is because I, you know, anyways, I am in the big idea business. Yeah. And I was going to say it's a rare combination of person that can sort of will a big idea into existence. First of all, you have to get people to buy into your vision, which right. is, I mean, it, it's a different type of challenge than you think it is. And then to implement it and to actually execute it, that's a whole other kind of skill set too. So you're kind of balancing two different things, the visionary part and then the nuts and bolts operations right. part. How do you balance those two things? Well, I think one the big, the biggest learning for me was storytelling and, and uh, learning how to articulate my idea in a way that inspired people. And also making sure I understood the language of each part of the system. Mm, sure. So I think... One thing that is gives me the, a unique perspective and advantage in an ability to orchestrate a movement such as this is I've got into the trenches and I met with brands and I understand those decision makers. I understand how they're thinking. And then I'm, you know, I un, have studied polymer science so I can shoot, shoot around, shoot at the hip with the boys over here <laughs> right. and the ladies over here. You know, so I, I meet with each of these groups and I sit there and I learn the language. And I 
understand where they're coming from and I can be empathetic. Uh, and then I also, because I'm not fully driven by like capitalism, I'm not, sure. I, you know, I'm not only looking at monetary. I have this bigger vision or vision. It's just like, I'm, I'm calling out, I'm calling to people's humanity right. and, and everybody within the system is a human and everybody in the system feels the same way I feel about plastics in the ocean and they mm-hmm. get it. And so when I can speak to that part of them, then we're all able to step up and rise up above whatever is the dynamic we've been trained to do. And that's the challenge, I think, is we have been trained to be very competitive. And I took – I mean, I've read every – not every, but I've read a ton (laughs) of Stanford um, B school, D school articles. I've read a ton of, like, uh, your Harvard Business Reviews, and I've studied – management consulting for many, many years, we are bred to compete in a specific way, play a specific game. And so the challenge is not only understanding the system, but how to activate people to pull out of that just a bit, just enough so that we can change the dynamic. That is challenging. Yeah. Um, And there are, so in my business, like my tiny little corner of the earth here, right? Communications consulting in Denver. There are a zillion people doing what I do. Some people will view the world in a very cutthroat way. Hmm. Zero sum game, right? If you get business, that means I don't have it. Right. So it, it's like a plus <laughs> minus. Someone's winning, someone's losing. That is, to me, a terrible way of viewing the world. There is so much out there, and for all of us, that to bring this back to what you were saying, if these brands can go, hey, you know what? It We don't have to be slitting each other's throats. Mm-hmm. There is something above just raw bottom line politics or raw raw bottom line capitalism. And if we can just dedicate 5% of our brain power to that, all of us, we're going to do amazing things together. Mm -hmm. I mean, many hands make light work. And so that's when the impossible becomes possible. And that's really cool to hear you say that. And if you can touch them in their heart, in their soul, in a place that is not just pure bottom line, then you're going to do that. And so I'm curious as you're doing this, how do you maintain your level of energy? How do you maintain optimism? How do you care for yourself mm. as you're doing this? Because I imagine this involves a lot of banging your head against the wall. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, it was not that long a walk. I know. I, so one thing is I do love to go to the hot springs. Okay, nice. And that helps me. That's one thing that helps me unwind. I go trail running. And I think another thing that's helpful... And just inspiring along the way is there's so many young, smart people coming out of university now that are seeking a path forward and seeking insight. And I can now share with them what I've learned. And so I get really inspired and energized by that. So some of my new new teammates, just the opportunity to share the knowledge and show them the path because it has been a really, really hard road. Uh, when I graduated, there's there's no such thing as sustainable packaging, you know. <laughs> not no, anybody, sure. Not really. There's no like I couldn't go to a job fair and find anything. I couldn't find <laughs> anything on Monster.com, um, and there was not a clear path. So, if I can do that, and and just the act of doing that is, is it does feed feed me and feeds my soul for sure. And this is a personal pet peeve of mine. I'm 38 years old. And I'm getting to the age where some of my peers are starting to complain about young people. (laughs) And I'm like, 
Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Like you don't fall into the trap. You will get crusty in a hurry <laughs> if you do that. And I mean, we're I'm all forever 28. <laughs> don't you worry about me. <laughs> because like always be on the side of youth. Mm-hmm. Like, because the youth is the future. This is where we're going. Right. Um, the ways that we have done things in the past, they worked to whatever extent they worked. Right. right? I mean, you, you talked about optimizing sort of our petroleum based plastic systems, right? That was a good, so that was probably the best available solution at the time that it was developed. Mm-hmm. We are now past that. Right. Why are we hanging on to this with such a death grip? And why are you hanging on to, and in a broader way, your culture and the way that you relate to the world when things continue to evolve and young people are going to be at the forefront of that. It may not jive exactly with you, but it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just don't be actively, <laughs> Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adver- yeah, yeah, adversarial about it. Mm. That really frustrates me. So I love working with young people. You're absolutely right. It energizes me too because I'm like, wow, okay, I got to up my game. Yeah, exactly. I got to stay up. Like, right. And and there's just so much to teach them and so much, uh, you know, if my like, okay, I'll tell you this crazy thing. So I don't know if you know this, but earlier this year I got diagnosed with cancer, actually. I did not know that. It my was, God. Um, it, luckily, it wasn't as bad as they thought it was, but it was a, a really aggressive form of malignant melanoma. No. And so, and I had like a lymph node and everybody's freaking out and like, holy shit. It was, it was really, um, intense. And that was, I got the diagnosis, uh, the first of the year actually. Of 2019? On, yep. On, on the, on a, on a new year's Eve party. Actually. Oh no. Yeah. Anyways. So I get that, I get that, uh, piece of information and, the doctor's like, well, I probably have to do chemo. I have to do all these things. And I'm just like, I'm in shock. Sure. And so for two weeks before I was able to get the rest of the results and then collect enough information, I mean, I was waking up in the middle of the night thinking about death, thinking about what did I accomplish? I haven't like, I've done all I've I've gotten this far, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've spent this many years mapping out this system, trying to fix the thing. And I have not, yet accomplished what I was trying to accomplish, which is, I, I, I want to hand this off. I want people to take what I've at least be able to take what I've done and run with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like here, <laughs> here's, here's the foundation, right. Build it oh to the sky. God. Yeah, right? please. So it was, that was a moment for me where I was able to be like, Oh my gosh. And, and really see the fears that had been blocking me for so long. The fears of being seen, the fears of being wrong, the fears of mm. not wanting to speak my truth. Those all of a sudden became like, what? Nothing. <laughs> like, those, what was that? That's like silly. So it helped me transcend a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and luckily, um, I was able to, through surgery and through some, some different things, I was able to handle the health issue. And so I'm feeling like stronger than ever no, now. But, yeah. but man, nothing like, <laughs> Nothing trips you out more than someone telling you you're going to die. Yeah. Dear Lord. What, I mean, was or that like, the prognosis for... Well, well, they didn't know. I mean, it was they the possibility, right? They didn't know if it was in the right? lymph nodes, and they didn't... Right. They, there was a chance it could have been through my whole system already, and okay. that was what I was sitting with. And so... Ah, so you just... Oh, you have to live with that kind of uncertainty? That, that was what I was That was what I was in. But finally, we, we finally got more information, and it wasn't as deep as they thought. The lymph node was clear so there yeah but for two weeks exactly they were like you might have the third degree i'm like oh my lord (laughs) wow so 
and, and so I just, I can, not just another whole side of the conversation is that whenever people talk to me about health issues, I could totally feel for them because it's just, it's the heavy, it's so heavy. Dealing wow. with that type of stuff. I mean, that's one of the more harrowing things I've heard in some time. Hmm. Um, how long until you were clear? So, I mean, this was New Year's Eve and then you were clear. About I had to how do long? A, sur- a series of surgeries uh, and I was probably like how many? early February. I, I did. I did two. Okay, two. Uh, yeah, and um, so and and then it's it's still you know you know no they never know if these things come back but I I think that I'm good yeah I've, and I I did have a moment in my mind where I was like you know what? no I'm healthy I'm like oh my god this I'm like I'm, I'm lucky to have a strong platform of health like man I'm gonna do this so I think there's a huge mental aspect too because you can get yourself all beat up oh yeah no you, <laughs> you you can get wrapped around the axle with Jesus, it yeah yeah wow that was a trip yeah okay but then i was like that also helped me with my own blocks around this innovation event because what's really vulnerable about this innovation event is it's against everything you learn in in business school right you don't share what you've learned you right. don't share trade secret information like i i wouldn't share what I've gained in the last 10 years. That's not normally what you do, but that's exactly what I'm going to do for this event. I'm going to gift the industry with what I understand about materials, material management, and the dynamics of our industry so that we can move forward. And I had blocks around that because I'm trying to build my own business. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I going to make myself irrelevant? Like, ah, but then I was like, you know what, man, you don't know how long you got, girl. You better get going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Make the leap. It, uh, it reminds me of there's a brewery out of Scotland called Brewdog, and they they do I mean they break all the rules right so they they do things that you're not supposed to do both in terms of brewing and in the way that they run their business. One of the things that they did a couple of years ago was they just released every recipe they have nice. every single one to the public <laughs> and said go. here's how you brew every single one of our beers. They're still in business, you know like. People go, wow, okay, that is amazing. And the fact that they're willing to do that, it, I think, Reyna, what it shows is that you're willing to bet on yourself. Hmm. And if you bet on yourself, you will typically rise to the occasion. Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying, here's everything that I've learned over the past 10 years. It's all out there. Right. And you go, almost the implication is, this is a fraction of what's to come. This right. is why you need to be in my orbit. There you go. Like, I'm giving it away, right? It's right mm-hmm. here. You don't know what else I have in here. So Absolutely. you better get on board. Absolutely. And the, and the, the wave is coming. The time is now. And it, I think if we can set up a foundation of knowledge and get everybody on the same page, we're going to be in a way better position. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm going to be all right. I can always, if, if all else fails, I can move to the beach and make jewelry, man. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> but, I'd expect nothing less. So, you know. But also another thing that I did was, I mean, the stakes are super high too, because I had this vision, talk about big visions. And now we got like PepsiCo coming and we got Whole Foods coming and New Hope and like all these big brands. I'm like, okay, yeah, (laughs) it's going to be a good party. Yeah. So it forces you to like step, step in and step up. It's my, it's both my favorite and least favorite time in business. It's when you book a new client, Mm -hmm. but before you actually have to do the work for them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Because you book them, you go, all right, cool. I got signature. They're going to be there. We're going to do work together. And then to quote the movie independence day, it's like, um, you really think you can fly that thing? 
Yeah. Yes. You really think you can do all that BS you just said? <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to sure try. <laughs> you know what? We're going to, we're going to try and we're going to do it. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's all actually coming together, but I can't even tell you it's such a trip right now. Okay. Such a trip. Remind me when it happens again, the innovation. The, so exactly. I don't even think I told you. So the first kickoff event is uh, February 20th. Okay. So like tomorrow. Ooh, yeah. So way. we're counting down the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the hours here. And so that's the kickoff webinar. And then we have two more subsequent webinars after that, a month space. So after the kickoff, there's the define webinar where we're going to get clear, more clear about what is the problem to solve and make sure everybody has a chance to articulate how they see the challenge. Then we move into the discovery phase, which is like where we get to, where I essentially get to share my gift of, of here's, here's how the, how I've seen the world work and here's some resources. So here's a bunch of information and also the participants can share it from their perspective. Uh, and, and really it's a discovery phase. We can look at market trends, technology trends, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, we move into the design where we meet in San Francisco for two days. Wow. And that's your more classic sticky notes on the wall, Play-Doh on yeah. the table, <laughs> getting down with the get down. So no, it's, it's super exciting, but I think what's been challenging about this event is three quarters of it is going to be hosted remotely or facilitated remotely yeah. through webinar and through on an online platform. We're going to work with this group called NOSCO. It's going to be really cool, but there's the whole like framework, right? For logistically yeah. how we step into this. And then you have to create the content Uh huh. <laughs> and then you have to find a way to get people to get along. Yeah. It's challenging too. I mean, I was thinking about <laughs> you, you asked me about events right before we got on mic, we were yeah. talking about events and I mean, those like the logistical challenges are all real, you know, like hosting and camera work and, you know, the, the scripting and blocking of the event, you know, the, the content and, you know, do we have tech support? Are we set up for all of the potential things that could happen that we don't think will, mm-hmm. but something will, you know, right. how do we overcome the mundane technical challenges right. that tend to emerge with things like this? But then you have the actual event itself. And so much of this comes down to what are people going to eat and where are they going to sit, <laughs> right? <laughs> and true. you're doing this big idea stuff that you end up getting bogged down on stuff that seems like it shouldn't matter but always does. Right. Because when you go to a conference, you're like, God, remember that food we had in that, in that ballroom? And that can linger with people in a very strange way. And so – Now you're making me worried. What are we going to serve? <laughs> better you, be you, good. You'll get there. You're, I know I'll be good, and, and you're gonna be. I think you're gonna be in San Francisco. We're gonna be fancy, yeah. I, I and think there'll be there'll be fancy cakes and stuff because I, I think want you'll everybody be just to be very happy. <laughs> Feed them cakes and coffee. I'm pretty sure. Is yeah, that the formula. It's like the South Park movie. Weird to understand there'd be punch and pie here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. That's all you need. Yeah, people just walk in. They're like, "Ooh, cake!" All right, I'll listen. I'll listen. <laughs> I'm on board. Why not? But, Sign here. <laughs> To, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a simple, like, to get someone in the room, just getting some of those small details right. right. I, I mean, some of that's underrated, that's which is That's what Colin's for. She's amazing. Oh, that's my God. That's awesome. She's like the other side of my brain. I'm like a, like, I'm that visionary, absent-minded professor type, like, woo, so many <laughs> cool things. And I, I think in, I, I spider map things, I draw and doodle and, you know, I could do that. But to have someone that's, I call them the ops brain. Uh-huh. Someone that's wired to think operationally and knows how to just like direct a request and follow up. I mean, I just love her very much. So. Has, a, has a task list, probably a Gantt chart. Oh, 
Right. Now I just send her emails. I'm like, add this to the task list. You know, I'm like, please put this in some sort of form of organization that we can move from. Wow. So she's amazing. She, and that's what you learn over the years. Like, how does your brain work? Yeah. What am I good at? What am I not good at? Around you so that you aren't just, you know, on your mom's couch smoking weed. <laughs> how do we, not that there's anything inherently no, not, wrong, with wrong with that. that, you know, but do something with your life. Right. Totally. But I mean, how are we all maximizing our own potential? <laughs> exactly. Right. How are we getting the most out of the way that we work? Right. And, and getting, here's that word that we talked about right before we got on fulfillment. Fulfillment. Yes. How, how are we all getting the most amount of fulfillment that we can? Mm. Um, and some people like love that organizational stuff, creating a list and checking off every single one of them yeah. and getting them done. Right. Some people that sounds like torture to, to have to do that. <laughs> But yeah, if you yeah. can get together and you enhance each other in service of this broader goal, you're that's both amazing. fulfilled that way. Yeah. So that's and now awesome. all I need is like a lawyer, a mechanic, and an accountant. All the rest of those. Are you setting up a joke? <laughs> or a company? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, a mechanic? I wasn't expecting that. You should just always have somebody. That's no, no, that's true. Because something's going to break. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> if you need AV services, I know who you should talk to. Oh, yeah. We'll talk off mic. Okay, good. Um, but perfect. All right, we should wrap up. Okay. So uh, now is when we do plugs. Where can people find you? RCD packaging, whatever yeah. you want to plug, do it now. Yeah, so you can uh, find the company's website, rcdpackaging.com, and on all the social media handles, which we, I normally am just on Instagram. And normally I'm actually just on interest on recycling is sexy. That's my secret little space. Yeah. Uh, but we're building up uh, RCD packaging across um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn because it's a business and, you know, how fun that area is. Um, but check out the, the event at... Um, I actually have a lot of listeners that find me through LinkedIn. It's I know. Shocking. And I actually, I love, I, I, I love LinkedIn. I know, but I it's so dorky. Like, it is dorky. But I can't even go on Facebook. I can't deal with you. the things. It's too many of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, Facebook is in a weird place culturally right now, too. So. Weird. Oh, did you see that one movie? What was that movie? Um, the Great Hack? No. Oh, please watch it. Okay. Yes, everybody that's listening, go watch The Great Hack. It is on Netflix. This has now become a plug for The Great Hack. Anyways, I know, but also check out... We're doing a zero-waste challenge. Nice. Uh, kicking off on February 20th. It's going to be two weeks. The rules are um, on our website... If you just go to rcdpackaging.com forward slash ZW dash challenge, you can find it there and I'll, I'll give you that link so you can find it too, but it's a good way to get people thinking about materials, thinking about when materials pass through your hands and it's, it's a fun game. Awesome. Well, Raina, this was an absolute pleasure and a delight as always. Thank you. Um, and so I don't think this counts toward my Brian sibling bingo card. No. But I already had your square, <laughs> but always happy to revisit it and your little cor corner of the earth. I'm inspired by you and <laughs> I wish you continued success. Thank you, John. And thank you for doing this and holding the space for all of us. Appreciate it. That'll do it for episode 239 of the John of All Trades podcast featuring Raina Bryan, creator of Recycling is Sexy, creator of RCD Packaging. She's a game changer and an absolute ray of sunshine. I'm thrilled and proud to feature her on the John of All Trades podcast. Stay up to date with John of All Trades on social media. That's J-O-A-T pod. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Our website is johnofalltrades.us. J-O-N of alltrades.us. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcatcher, please take some time, leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. Monday is the first job series. 
Wednesday, brand new episodes drop. The John of All Trades podcast is produced by Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. This is the flagship show, but I also produce podcasts for organizations, companies, and other folks interested in telling their story in a brand new way. So hit me up, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. No matter what you're doing online, building a website, online marketing, online advertising, social media marketing, they will help you do it better. They'll get your message in front of the people who need to see it most at a cost that's very attractive. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Considering I am battling illness, I'm not sure if there will be an episode next week, but stay tuned to John of All Trades on the social media or through the website. And no matter when it is, until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.